Open Rivals. This is their sixth French Open meeting. Of course, Nadal's won all of them. Um, and it's only second, the second time they're there that they are meeting in the semis. So all the other times they've met were in the finals. However, Feder is does bring a five-match win streak in against Nadal. So will that change um, the the outcome, or is Nadal going to be Mr. Comfortable and Clay and Roll? We will discuss that, and we will see. It'll be an interesting match regardless. And then we also have Djokovic, Novak Djokovic versus Dominic Team, and they are also familiar foes, at least at Roland Garros. They've met two previous times: once in the quarterfinals, once in the semifinals. And the pair of split wins. So team won one time and Djokovic won the other time. So we'll see what happens. That's going to be an interesting match. And the, we're also just going to discuss interesting stats. We've kind of been charting matches and coming up with some different averages. So we're going to talk about numbers that we thought were interesting as this French Open has gone on. Welcome to episode 16 of 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Matt and Ben. Matt, why don't you kick us off with the stat of the day? All right, 62%. That is the number for the day. Uh, and that number represents the amount of points, the percentage of points that team won on his second serve, as well as the percentage of break points that he converted in his quarterfinal match against uh, Karen Kachinov, uh, which is a pretty good stat. If you're, if you're winning 62% of your second serves and 62% of your break chances, that's tough. That's tough to overcome. And so... We'll see if he can keep that up against Joke as he uh, faces off with him in the semifinals. Keeps that number up. It'll be interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting, especially because those are like Rafael, Rafael Nadal asked numbers on clay. Even kind of better, I think usually Nadal's in the upper 50s on second serve points one and break points. That's just insane. So I think if he if he replicates those same numbers, I would definitely favor team over Djokovic. But I think the odds makers are probably favoring a Djokovic-Nadal finals. We'll see. What happens, it'll be interesting. And then for the French Open, we have a match of the tourney. So the match so far on the men's single side that's been the most fascinating to watch, that would have to be Stan Wawrinka versus Stefano Tsitsipas in the round of 16. This match was the longest career match for both Tsitsipas and Stan. And both of them obviously have the one-handed backhands, beautiful, but that's pretty much where the similarities ended. They have beautiful contrasting styles. Stan Wawrinka being the power baseliner, very heavy strokes, hitting beautiful backhands and great forehands as well. And then you had Stefano Tsitsipas, which he came to the net a bunch of times. He was rushing the net, honestly. And Tsitsipas actually had more breakpoint opportunities. But Stan, we know Stan Wawrinka, right? He is a big-time match player, very clutch. He saved 82% breakpoints. There's a lot of good numbers, and maybe that could have been our stat of the day. Um, but let me go ahead and look also at some of the other numbers here. So we had, so Stan, we know he ended up losing to Federer in the quarterfinals, unfortunately. So all these good players, but, you know, their their path has to come to the end at some point if they meet someone a little <laughs> bit better. So, so Tsitsipas is interesting, right? So like I said, he came to the net a bunch of times. I think it was like 70-something times he came to the net. His win rate at the net was 67%. So I think that, that was really a big difference maker. Stan was able to use those passing shots and come up with a lot of passion shot winners. And the winner to enforced ratio was pretty close. They both had in the 60s on winners. Tsitsipas at 61, Stan at 62. But ultimately, Tsitsipas had, had a lot less unforced errors. So the, the ratio winners to enforced, Tsitsipas had 13, positive 13, and Stan positive 7. So you can see this match was really, really tight. 
Stan won 35% break points. CT Pass really low at 18%. He had way more chances, just couldn't quite convert. And, you know, we, we have this match charted out here, right? Who won on the different stats? And it's very split. CT Pass had a better first serve percentage, which we'll talk about in a minute how that's maybe not as important as far as using that stat to predict the winner. But he also won more first, first serve points, won 74% to 71%. But Stan, we always talk about second serve points. When Stan inched that one out, 51 to 47. And then an interesting stat, tracking as well as aces to double faults, that ratio. Stan was plus 13. CT Foss minus three. So Stan was able to serve pretty big, serve himself out of those tough moments. If there's a match you're going to go back and watch, watch some YouTube highlights, that's a big match. They both had some amazing rallies, and the crowd really got their money's worth. Most definitely. Yeah, that was a good match for sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting. I was kind of like a little bit worried for Feder being a Fed fan because the last time he played in Roland Garros in 2015, Stan saw him off in straight sets. And then, of course, that year, Stan went on to beat Djokovic and win um, his first, first grand slam on McClay. So that was pretty amazing run there. I was a little bit worried for Feder, but, but Feder ultimately was able to use his variety. So Federer, just looking at that match, that was a four-setter. It's also really tight. Two tie breaks. Fed was able to tough those out. And Stan won one of his sets, 6-4. And then Fed was able to close it out in the end. So a lot of breakpoint chances that Vavrika had. But he just wasn't quite able to convert. Fed even had more, and he was only 11%. So that's, a, that's one thing that was weird, is looking at the numbers. You wouldn't excuse me, necessarily know who won the match. So I'm looking at it right now. Very close on first serve points one, very similar, only difference of 6%, 77 to 71. So they both are able to win points when they get their first serve in. That's, that's natural. Really, I guess where you would see it is the second serve points one, 58 to 46. Federer has the advantage. That's a pretty big difference. But everything else, break points, stand one 40% to Fed's 11%. Return winners, return points, excuse me, is 37 to 30%. Federer to stand, so not... Not a huge difference there. You can still win the match winning 30% return points. The winners are similar, but the, the winner to unforced ratio is different. Stan was minus seven, Fed plus four. And net points again, Fed was able to kind of hamper Stan when he got to net. Stan was only 37%. It's a big difference. So even though Stan was able to do good on his first serve, second serve is where Fed really got him. He was able to use his variety. And when Stan get, did go to the net, he was able to pass him and bother him there. So... Really impressed by Federer on the clay. The only times he's lost to Stan Wawrinka has actually been on the clay. So I was actually looking at maybe a closer match, but Fed ultimately able to gut it out with those tie breaks. In my mind, where the, where the was the big match. But Matt, how's Rafa been looking in this tournament? Well, it's good. Let me go back to that match real fast. I thought it was interesting. You you mentioned Fed's eleven uh, percent break chance or break points converted, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes percentages they don't show us the uh, the sample size or the in right um, and i don't know how many he ended up with but i know after like what the second set only he had like 16 16 chances and he'd yeah. only converted one of those so uh, he, he got away with stan but I, he can't you can't do that with rafa if, if he has 16 break chances he's got to take advantage of those uh in order to be able to put put away any other players that are left in this tournament. Right. But that was just a side no, really, side note. 
really good point. And uh, part of that could be Stan being the big match player. You know, he saved a bunch of break points against Boss as well. But like you're saying, Nadal's pretty good at saving break points too. So Fed's got to do better in that department, no doubt. That's true. As far as Rafa, he's cruising. He's cruising. I'm worried about Joke on the other side. I'm not worried about Fed. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that he's going to have a problem against Feder in the semifinal, um, but I, I do think whoever comes out of the other side, it'll be an interesting final for sure. Joke is playing extremely consistent, and I know you mentioned yeah, maybe that first serve percentage and um, first first serve points one, maybe not a huge indicator, but I think Djokovic is sitting at like mid eighty percent. Uh, for this tournament, which is really high. I mean, if you're getting your first serve in and then winning 85% of those chances, you're not going to have too many breakpoints opportunities. And so that'll be something to watch to see if Djokovic can maintain that consistency as he moves forward and see if, uh, if Rafa can break into that. Obviously that's a hypothetical situation because right. we don't even know if that's a matchup yet, but uh I mean, yeah, Rafa has been playing consistently and looking like he always does on the court, on, on clay. You have some numbers you want to break down for Rafa? Yeah, well, first just wanted to actually go back real quick to Federer. Sorry. So interesting oh, yeah. stat there, right? He won two tie breaks over Vavrinka. To me, I guess the difference there was, one, he just knows Stan's game plan. Even though Stan has heavier strokes, he's able to kind of bully Federer on the baseline. Federer has that variety, like I mentioned. But also, he just knows kind of Stan's patterns. And Federer, really, I think he's kind of underrated as far as tiebreakers go. So I was looking at some stats. Federer, so I kind of am giving it away. Federer's the best player in tiebreaks as far as percentage of tiebreaks won, which I did not know. 65.1% career tiebreak win rate. That's pretty mind-boggling if you consider a lot of times tiebreaks you go and you're like, well, that's kind of going to be a toss-up. Not for Federer. It's not. And then <laughs> you, you want to take a guess who else is on that list? Top five? Stan. Stan is not. Rafa. Rafa, uh, I would have guessed, I definitely would have guessed Rafa, but he's not. I would have guessed Rafa too. Uh, we got Djokovic though, the other uh other yeah, sure. three. Um Arthur Ashe was number two, Joke was number three. Sampras, I've always heard, you know, him being a big match player, very clutch. He's number mm -hmm. five. And I don't know who Andres Gomez is, but of course we know Arthur Ash, uh named after Arthur Ash. And, you know, the namesake of the court now at the U.S. Open. So I thought that was interesting. So I think Fed knowing Stan and plus just tiebreak. Fed, to me, though, it's interesting, right, watching Federer. I think he's playing some of the best clay court tennis, at least at Roland Garros, that I've seen. This is, even seems better than the run he made in 2009 where he, you know, faced a huge match, a huge match deficit against Tommy Haas. He had to come back against Delpo. And then, of course, he beat Soderling uh, fairly routinely. But – not saying that he's going to beat Rafa because Rafa is the best on clay. But I, I don't think it's going to be a beat down like the 2008 where he only won a handful of games and it was it was straight sets. I think four, he might be able to get games. to battle and maybe maybe four sets. Um, but I'm hoping I'm hoping he can play attack mode and not let Rafa get into his comfort zone. As far as the other semifinal, I think it'll be tighter. Even though Joke hasn't dropped a set in the tournament, team is really dangerous on clay. And as he showed, he's. He beat Hatchinoff, who had a great run, beat Del Potro in a pretty interesting match. I want to get into those stats. So I would say the other I would say the other semifinal has a potential going five. And I would not necessarily bet against team, even though 
We know Djokovic has mm. probably been the most consistent all tournament, and he's been the most consistent at the slams in the past 12 months. I just think that's a tough matchup team against anybody on clay right now. I agree. Do you think uh, you think Feds and Rafa said with that a five one match three five? I would say yes, except for it's on clay. So I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Rafa's probably going to consider it, but he's going to he's going to shake it off easily. He's like, I'm on my home turf. Feders only beat me yeah. twice on clay, never at Rolling Arrows. I don't think it'll be in Rafa's head. Um, but I think I think it's better for Feder, honestly. Feder might have some belief in just sure. he's, playing, he's actually playing a really good serve volley. He's not coming to net a mm. ton, but when he does, he's been really effective. And I think if he can pick his times come to net, he could be really effective against Rafa. So maybe maybe that yeah. gives Fed confidence. There's been a couple times, I believe it was the 2011 French Open final, where Federer actually went ahead and won a set, and then he might have even got up a break in the second set, and then he kind of unraveled. Hmm. So I'm not saying that he would have won that match, but I think a couple, I think sometimes it's been mental. And so maybe this will give him the mental edge where he can actually go toe-to-toe with Rafa in some rallies. Ultimately, I think he'll come up short, but I, I just hope for a good match, and I hope he doesn't get dominated, but... The rain schedule yeah. could be interesting because he's slated to play tomorrow, but it's supposed to rain there. And so they're talking mm. about potentially a Monday final. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think uh, Fed's aggressiveness has led to a lot of that, that streak he's got going now. And Rafa stands so far back. The clay allows for that a little bit more because it slows the ball down a, a lot more compared to other surfaces. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if Rafa steps in and to see how aggressive Fed is if he tries to get to the net more often and put those points away and take it take the initiative out of out of Rafa's hands. Yeah. See what happens. Definitely. And it's and it's been super interesting just going back to style. Again, I mentioned CC Poss. He's been pretty good on every surface. Wimbledon he made a pretty far run. Obviously he made the semifinals of Australian and he looked really comfortable in the clay. He just met a, a little bit better of a Stan Bavrinka or someone that was able to win the clutch points when it mattered. So his game is really interesting because it tr- translates well to every surface, even though he's still playing the aggressive. He's not altering his style. So I thought that was interesting. It was able to work for him and almost win the match. But I think Stan's passing shots just kind of were the difference maker. So I'm interested to see him in the future and see if he's able to – if he was going to adapt his game on clay or if he's going to continue to go for it because he was coming to net constantly when, he would, when he'd set mm-hmm. it up. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we will see. Yeah, can we go over to the Peace. go over to the Del Potro Hatchinoff match? I thought that was a pretty interesting match. So that one, Del Potro was coming in. He was, I think, kind of one of the quiet players going about his business. Not necessarily winning every match in straight sets, but he was he was dominating once he was getting on a roll. But he met Hatchinoff, who was playing some great tennis, the tall Russian. And looking at the stats, it's pretty interesting. Del Potro, of course, really good first serve. Dominant on there. They were both winning in the 70s on first serve points one, but second serve points difference of almost 20%, 54% to 36%. Fortunately, I only saw the highlights of this match, but Delpo was just getting worked on those rallies. Hatchinoff has even said he feels most comfortable on the clay, and clearly he was winning all those rallies against Delpo. So, kind of, I don't know if there's an injury hampering Delpo, but he was looking really good early on in the matches I watched. And then ultimately the winner ratio, Hatchinoff was plus 23, Delpo minus six. So poor Delpo oh. got beat in four <laughs> sets, but Hatchinoff really worked him on that second serve points. Because like I said, first serve, they were both doing their job. 
winning, getting that first serve in and winning those points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kachino is an interesting player. He's been making it to middle to the late tournaments uh, a lot recently. He's yeah. been hanging around. And so he's not kind of needs that. Much. But. No, not nearly as much. I mean, I, th- I think he kind of came up as the same. The, excuse me, the same time as Cisse. Yeah, and so sure. all the pressure and all the talk went over that way. No, well, it's funny they were talking about how well he does in Paris, right? So he won the last Masters one thousand match in Paris. Of course, it's played on hard court, not clay. But he won that one over Djokovic in the final. If you remember, that was his <laughs> last fall. I believe it was right. in October. And now he's doing really well at Paris. He obviously lost in the quarterfinals to a, a really good team. And that just shows how good teams playing. He beat someone who was really comfortable in clay and destroying opponents like Del Potro. But team, to me, he's a mini Rafa. He, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't exactly do – he does everything that you would want Rafa to do, but maybe he just doesn't do it as effectively. So, to me, he's, he's going to be a tough out for Djokovic. But uh, yeah, that'll be a good match. Yeah, I think it's. I think both semifinals will be interesting. So if we go ahead and look, we I charted out a bunch of matches. Not every match in the French Open, but quite a few starting from like the third round on. So most matches got a pretty good sample size. We started looking at stats and especially the difference. So for for the winners, so interesting. We talked about first serve percentage, right? I think that's a lot of things commentators talk a lot about. And what we saw from the numbers is that the winner on average won 1% fewer than his opponent as far as first serve percentage. And so what that tells me is it's really not a factor. It's pretty much a toss-up, especially with uncertainty. So wouldn't look at that, I guess, because both players, they should be able to find their balance of how hard do you want to hit the first serve versus, versus getting it in and not going to second serve all the time. So really the numbers that stood out the most was second serve points. Well, and again, we always talk about 13% different between the victor and the, the person who loses the match for all the matches we charted. And then the other one, which was actually even a bigger change, is net points. Now, this doesn't take into account how many times you're going to the net, but just simply your effectiveness at net. So 16% difference in net points won between the victor and the loser. And I guess at first I was like, man, that's, shouldn't really matter if you're doing really good at the net or not because it's not like it's on grass or something where you come to the net more. But I was thinking about it. Rafa, he'll even come to the net sometimes, but he's really efficient. He'll be in the high 70s as far as finishing off. When he does go to net, the few times he does, he's sure to win the point. So it actually does make sense to me. Or you get a few of those overheads. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to net a bunch of times and the person who wins the match, you know, wins at net, just like we saw with Stan Wawrinka. But and CC pass, but it's just meaning if you do come to net, you're winning the point. And then, of course, winner stun forced error. It's a difference. I was surprised at the magnitude. The winner ratio on average, the winner versus the loser is winning about 15 and a half more points. Winners to unforced errors, and that seemed a little bit high. But maybe some of the matches were had some blowouts. I know, particularly the Mahout. Let me go to that one real quick. Yeah, the ratio was plus 32 for for Mayer versus uh, Nicholas Mahout was plus 30. So maybe there's a few matches in there where it's sliding the numbers, but either way, it's a pretty big difference. So it seems the winners, the rally points on the second serve points won, and if you go to net, you better finish. So that would be my advice to anybody if you want to do well for French Open based on these numbers for next year. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's interesting. I, I think it shows um, the smarts of the players, right? It, knowing when to go in, knowing when to stay back, knowing uh, when to attack. It, it's a whole part of the algorithm, a part of the equation that they're constantly crunching as they're on the court playing each ball, trying to figure out, all right, I hit the ball here. Should I go to the net? Should I try to close it out? And so if you if you could be effective at the net, then absolutely. I mean, there's no easier way to put a put a point away than to close out your opponent at the net. It's, right. Exactly. And not that um, and I totally agree with what you're saying. It's a lot of it's mental, but some players they they say that they don't espouse the stats, but even if they don't aren't big stat heads or or thinking about the stats all the time, they're they're doing it even just by the fact of, so on a first serve, right, you're worried about getting ace, things like that. But second serve, as soon as a player starts serving a second serve, the players are always taught attack it. So that right there is kind of playing into this stat of you win the second serve points, you win the match, right? If they're being aggressive off that second serve, they can get a good rally ball or even set up for a winner off, off the return. That's kind of playing into this, making that second serve point even more important right for them to win because that's kind of the mindset that they're coached. That's their traditional method. And then statistically it's going to become even more important. But I thought what was interesting is break points percentage didn't have much of a difference. It was only 6% more that the winners won. And again, this doesn't take into account the amount of break chances that they have, but just percentage. I, I just thought the percent would be a little bit higher because we always talk about break points are key to the match. And then return points. It made sense to me. It was about in the 9%. You know, as long as you're in their service games putting pressure, it's fine. And then first serve points one was only 7% chance. So similar to break points didn't seem as important because most players, like I said, it's a mental thing. You know, everyone has good serves. So most people are just going to win their first serve points anyways. So the difference is in the, the, the difference is in those rallies on the second serve because especially with the French, right, you're going to get a lot more rallies. So, yes, yeah, some numbers kind of reinforce some things we knew. But like you're saying, it's it's in the calculus for each player and how they're gonna how they're gonna attack. But I guess I would expect the uh, the aces and the and the winners maybe, and also the net points to have a greater effect. Be interesting. I'll chart it at Wimbledon too to see how the percentages change, and maybe the second serve percentage goes down a little bit more. Maybe it's more about holding your first serve if you have more tie breaks, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But any other matches or any other statistics, Matt, that you'd like to discuss? I think that's everything. I think we covered the yeah. majority of it. Yeah, it's been a lot of good tennis. I was pretty disappointed. Uh, I knew Nishikori would probably not be Rafael Nadal, but I was, I was mm. pretty disappointed in the quality there. Nadal was just <laughs> too dang good. Was... Yeah, well, and that that is something that's interesting. I mean, we talk about the big three. And the dominance that they have, but we finally have a, a slam where you have seeds one through four in the semifinals. And that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. We haven't actually had that, I think, in a, in a while. So the, the yeah. best players seed-wise are, are where they were expected to be. And it'll be interesting. I was definitely disappointed with some of those quarterfinal matches. Yeah, <laughs> or, or a lot of um, uneven play. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird how that goes, but and even looking at the Nishikori match, I'm very shocked to see that Nadal only had a two percent edge on second points one, second serve points one, 
seemed like he was breaking them a lot, but that's really what it was. It's a 43% difference on break points. Nadal won 63%, so 1% higher than our stat of the day for team over Hatchinoff, and then Nishi was only 20%. So there it just shows me that Nishi Corey just couldn't quite bring on the break points, and Nadal did. Otherwise, the numbers, besides maybe the unforced for Nishikori, don't really hurt Nishikori that much. So it's just the break points, and Nadal is so good on break points on clay. So I'd be more for better on that on that regard. <laughs> he needs to not get himself down in the service games. If he goes into a tie break, I could maybe favor Roger, but I just don't see them going into that many tie breaks. Yeah, yeah. But we're excited to see what happens the rest of the French Open to see who's going to be in the finals and then see is it going to be Nadal lifting again another Roland Garros trophy and making my whole argument moot about having a poor warm-up to the clay court season or Djokovic, is he going to again hold all four titles at once? Second time he's ever done that and only the only other player to do it besides Rod Laver or even Federer team being – winning the French Open. Well, that, that'd be pretty wild for Federer, especially. It'd, it'd be a huge long shot in my mind, but winning it exactly 10 years later after his first time, that would be pretty amazing. But I think that we gotta, if you're betting, I think you gotta go with Nadal in my mind. Gotta stick to Rafa. Gotta stick to Rafa. <laughs> On the clay court, it's Rafa. Until proven otherwise, we'll go, we'll go with Rafa. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's all we got from 1530. We'll see you on the court.